Welcome to Loaded and Rolling. I'm your host, Thomas Watson. Now, trying the new format, this is a special episode as well. Uh, most podcasts don't make it past five. And uh, a little shout out to not only the crew and staff, we have reached our 69th episode here at Loaded and Rolling. It is definitely uh, one of those mile post things. People say you need to get to 100, but, you know, especially very thankful for everyone who believed in this podcast, as well as shout out to my sponsor, Skybits. Um, and then if we have anyone else, I'd like to thank the Academy as well. So uh, throwing that out there, a little bit of little bit of housework. There it is. Skybits, uh, division of Amatex sensors and everything. Really good stuff. I used them before. Made my blood pressure go a lot lower because we could tell the trailers were empty. Who would have thought? But a lot of research stuff going on today. Uh, I got to, thankfully, I got to do a research corner and I thought, well, why don't we bring one of our, you know, senior editorial researchers on to talk about some of the cool things that we do. I know as a trucking expert, I get to talk about some stuff, but I always get to like see the cool things behind the scenes. So we're going to bring it in our next guest. Super excited to be welcoming on Joe Antishak, senior editorial researcher here at Freight Waves. Prior to that, he was at Transport Topics as well, doing cool research stuff. We snatched him away. And uh, Joe, I remember when we brought you on the research corner, we had you on a smaller screen. But as you can see right here, we got you on the big screen, sir. We're going big today. Yeah. Joe, you may be muted. Give me a, give me three, uh, three eye blinks if you're being tortured. Let me have your line muted. <laughs> Let's see if we can hear you. All right, we're gonna we're gonna go uh, we're gonna figure out what we're going on in the meantime. I'm gonna preface this with some slides here while we get Joe fixed up. Uh, big things we're gonna be talking about today. First one is of course the disappointing outbound tender rejection index. Uh, it's gonna be paired up with outbound tender volumes. One of the conversations uh, over the past at least week or so, you know, it's Tuesday right now, has been we are seeing an increase in volumes uh, contracted freight, but uh, surprisingly, rejection rate are still going down. So it's an interesting thing because uh, you would assume that we were, we were seeing a little bit of a rally uh, over the past like month or two, uh, as you can see on our chart here, but it's kind of pe petered out. Even across the nation, I did a carrier update earlier today and we are seeing some softness in the market. So that's going to be one thing that we're going to be talking about with Joe when we get him back in. Another one is going to be spot market rates. We're continuing to just be right about the bottom, you can tell as well. Uh, over there in orange, we've got the fuel prices. So another big topic to watch as uh, 2022 began into the current day as well is that we've seen this drastic spike in diesel fuel. And one of the cool things I learned was that some of it has to do with IMO 2020, which was uh, a goal to get the fuel changed for ships. Uh, you know, we're talking about maritime cargo ships, the very large ships. And so that was one thing that may be influencing the price as well as OPEC cuts and uh, Saudi Arabia adding a few extra cuts on as well. Let's pull back Joe in, see if we get a little bit of audio this time. I was previewing what we're digging into. Joe, can you hear me, sir? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Oh, we are so back. We're uh, we're a little bit of a spoiler. We're gonna go, we're gonna go into talking about this uh, disappointing about tender rejection and volume. But being on that research end as well, I wanted to grab some of your thoughts because it definitely feels like a weird situation going on. That you know we'd expect to see some continued upward movement moving into peak, but it looks like we're actually uh, sliding backwards. Yeah, I mean, uh, unfortunately for carriers that have been sort of hanging on precariously, uh, this peak season does seem to be playing out uh, to be another muted one, which, uh, you know, I know is, is not welcome news to, to those who, who, who watch these kinds of trends. But uh, 
we've been tracking maritime imports and, and, you know, stuff a little bit more upstream and yeah, you know, it's, we've seen a bit of a bump, but not, not dramatically. So not, not to the level that you would need to sort of meet, uh, the, the level of trucking capacity that's still in the market. So, uh, unfortunately it looks like peak season is going to be, uh, you know, not so great. And, and for those, carriers that are you know still living on the margins um as well they all are but the 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 ones that are living a little bit more precariously um it could it could be the end uh for for them and we've seen with the research part as well with surveys that you conduct uh that carriers have not been feeling as well we've seen some changes in brokers for folks who haven't really caught up on our surveys i know we have one coming up what's been the kind of vibe so far and some of the ones we've taken and tell us how often do we take them as well yeah so um i think what you're what you're referencing and what we we talked about earlier was uh the, these freight sentiment indexes that that we started tracking quarterly uh, in, uh, we started Q4 of last year, right? So it's, it's, it's sort of a new thing. Um, but, but we've been tracking it every quarter this year and, um, yeah, we've seen some interesting trends. So first of all, uh, carriers were, uh, actually overall negative in Q2, right? Which not a big surprise for anyone in in the market. I mean, it was a terrible time. Uh, our, our NTI.USA, our, our spot market index, um, hit its, you know, bottom in uh, May, I believe, uh, conditions were really, really bad. Uh, and so these freight sentiment indexes track, um, you know, different things like near term, longer term profitability, and then, you know, workforce stuff and big business investment. Um, and basically, if you have a negative overall score, uh, it means that that you're doing really poorly right now, you, you, you don't feel positive about the market. Uh, and, um, you know, it's, it's sort of a big deal for an overall score to be negative. Anyway, so that was Q2. Uh, what was interesting about Q3 is that carriers started ticking up. Uh, and the reason for that is not necessarily because of the near-term stuff. Conditions are still bad. Uh, but because we were progressing through this down cycle and they could project out 12 months and say, okay, things are going to be a little bit better when I look out to Q3 2024, right? Which is in line with um, what a lot of analysts think. Uh, but what else was interesting was that uh, shippers uh, actually trended down over the quarter and 4Q3 recorded the lowest overall score. So um, I should have brought some of those charts on. I'm sorry, I don't, I don't have them, but uh, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens here in Q4. We're going to start surveying uh, next week, it looks like. Um, and we'll, uh, we'll update, uh, uh, update those numbers, uh, I don't know, maybe early November, probably something like that. I can only imagine as well, there's probably a situation where if you're a shipper, you're worried about service levels, but we're also hearing about record number of carriers leaving the market. So sometimes I wonder, you know, when you're looking through the survey, trying to parse through and figure out the vibes, that maybe it's a situation where there is some concern because if enough capacity leaves the market, it's almost like you still have this two-year trauma from when rejection rates were 20 plus percent, no one could get anything covered. Yeah, and I, and I think that that has kind of played out this year with how sticky contract rates have been, right? I mean, rates.usa, which is uh, what we use to, to track the spread between uh, contract and, and spot rates, uh, it's, it's remained really wide. And uh, van contract rates have stayed, uh, I mean, they, they've declined over the year for sure, but there hasn't been like a, 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 a massive drop off like, um, 
uh, I know some some people were were expecting to happen. It's just been sort of like a steady uh, a steady descent, and I think a lot of that has to do with um, yeah that trauma uh, on shippers' part, where it's like you know we're we're not trying to chase anyone out of the market. Uh, we want good quality carriers, uh, and you know these relationships matter to us uh, to some extent, as opposed to like trying to race to the absolute bottom to uh, you know make as much as they possibly can uh, or lose the least they possibly can on, on transportation. That's one thing that strikes me. I'm working with some shippers as well and being on the trucking side. You always have those customers who just want to push down. They, they're very pr- they, they care more about price than service. So they're going to push really hard. Then you have others that are going to do the inverse, of course. But it does feel as though a, a tightening, a gradual tightening to try to find that breaking spot versus just wholeheartedly, uh, you know, chop that thing, you know, chop that transportation budget. And one of the things I'm curious about is uh, if we're going to continue to see this gradual uh, situation or if it reaches by Q1 of 2024, some kind of bottoming out. Because it does just, it it does have that weird feeling where we're about 74, 75-ish cents per mile last time I checked on that spot line haul to contract spread. And I do wonder how much that'll change, if it'll actually improve any, or if this is like a new normal because of higher costs. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, yeah, it's like, you know, we, we, we feel we have a pretty good sense of it, right? And theoretically, we say like a balanced market is what, somewhere between 30 and 50 cents, right? Um, but, you know, it, it's not like we have decades and decades of, of data. So it's possible that, that, that it could have changed. Um, now, I, you know, it's, it's, it's tough to say if like, you know, Q1 2024 is going to be the, the, the time when we start to see, you know, material difference, like a bounce back. Uh, but I do think, and, 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 you know, part of my general theory for like research corner this morning and, and coming on here is that, uh, I think we are kind of approaching like the last gasp of this down cycle. Um, and the reason why I say that is because rejections have, you know, uh, gone back to, to, to ticking down again. Um, rates continue to be very low, uh, and then diesel has climbed and, and it's eased a little bit this week, according to, uh, the EIA. So hopefully that'll continue. Um, but basically you just have like another situation where, you know, uh, there's not a whole lot of reprieve for, uh, carriers who, um, are already really struggling. Right. Uh, we, you, and and then you right compile this the the rising expense layer of uh, of of high diesel prices as a result of the the global shortages uh, and um, you've got a pretty dangerous situation I would say. That's what threw me off as well. Saudi OPEC cuts, in addition, uh, you know, Morgan Stanley talking about if we're going to see like over $100 a barrel for crude, uh, of course, that impacts it with the distillation and stuff. That That's one of the things that I'm kind of curious about because it, it felt like prior to any movement by OPEC, the, the price of diesel was slowly going back down to some, you know, new high. But now it's we have a wrench thrown in it, which could potentially snuff out more carriers. Yeah, exactly, exactly, and 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 that's why I say you know it's it, it is important to note that uh, the benchmark diesel price declined this week, you know, as as announced last night, uh, and that was the first time in 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 a number of weeks for that to happen. So that is very good news, right? It it, it suggests that maybe things are stabilizing, uh, refineries are 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 pumping out more uh, more more fuel, uh, but you know it's 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 one of those things where you know. We're, we're, we're cautiously optimistic, uh, you know, on behalf of the, the carriers who are stretched thin. 
Um, of course, there's there's the other side of things where it's like, you know, capacity needs to leave the market uh, right now in, in the absence of a ton of volume materializing somewhere. And uh, that, you know, evidently with uh, what looks to be probably a muted peak season coming up, uh, that's not happening. So, you know, eventually things will normalize and, and it's looking like that's going to be, you know, more capacity leaving and we'll probably see a bit of a spike uh, toward the end of the year where, you know, the, the net uh, trucking authorities uh, ticks down uh, to a greater degree. Yeah, right now it feels like a slow burn. I want to switch gears a little bit. Very, very curious. Your experiences in transportation as well. You came from a place called Transport Topics, so you'd think they'd, uh, you know, tell us about how did you get into uh, this industry? You're very data-driven as well as our surveys and research. Uh, what What's the story behind that? Yeah, well, uh, it, there's no crazy story. Um, I think like a lot of people in transportation that I've met, I kind of just fell into it. Uh, I needed a job, and I, I happened to get this one of the transport topics. At the time, I knew nothing about uh, trucking. And, of course, if you don't know transport topics, it's uh, a very long-running, you know, legacy trade publication for uh, for trucking. Uh, it's run under uh, ATA, uh, and, um, you know, it's it's like a, a semi-independent body within ATA, right? Um, but anyway, yeah, so, so I kind of fell into it, and I... Um, just right off the bat, working under uh, a guy named Dan Berth, uh, put out the, at the time, top 50 logistics companies list, uh, top 100 for hire, top 100 private, and then uh, top 50 global freight carriers lists. And uh, it really just threw me uh, headfirst into uh, the big industry players. Uh, and so, you know, I kind of had to learn on the job about how uh, how the industry works, like like what uh, what what different types of uh, logistics services exist, uh, different types of trucking modes, all these different things. Um, yeah. And then I, I came over to Freight Waves and got uh, even more involved in sort of the real-time day-to-day data. And now it feels like I just, I just live in numbers and uh, it's great. It's always, it's a fun experience because we also have our top for hire carriers and we're, we're doing a similar listing for it because it helps with the editorial but you're in dc as well and i think that like when we're talking about trucking and stuff it does feel like there's two different types you have legacy media out in new york and large metros but you also have this specialized one like ata does a lot of lobbying um what's the vibe like in dc did you get to ever go to any of this cool capitol hill stuff or uh was it mostly like chilling out in the office because i can only imagine being so close to the decision makers you may get access or get to check out some stuff yeah, so so I actually did not do a whole lot of that. I mean, the, the the closest I got to action outside of the office was like a handful of, of business trips and and uh, uh, you know conference stuff that that sort of thing. Uh, when I was working there, our office was in uh, Virginia, actually in, in in Arlington. So so not not you know not so close to to DOT. Uh, but since I've left, they've opened up their new office, which like you know, from a balcony, like overlooks the DOT. So, so they're, they're much more in the action now. Um, but yeah, I, you know, TT, I, the reason why I said like semi-independent, it is mostly separate from like the day-to-day lobbying stuff. There are certainly, you know, there, there, there's a trickle down effect, no doubt from the ATA. Uh, but in terms of actual lobbying, it's like, unless you are the government beat reporter, uh, shout out to Eugene Malero, who I think you know of, Thomas. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, you, you're not down on Capitol Hill every day. 
I, I remember because when we do serious, Eugene is usually on uh, Mark Willis's show prior to that. So we got, you know, we have uh, Todd Maiden as our beat reporter as well. I think that's crazy. You can just go across the street now. Uh, that's a smart play if I was wanting to do some lobbying. Uh, uh, just uh, wave across the street. Looking at like uh, other legacy publications, Landline, I think, is under OIDA. And then we have some other ones smattered around like Overdrive as well. Uh, is that something where have you seen any of the other ones or rub shoulders with the other groups while you're in D.C.? Or is it kind of... Uh, uh, you know, nobody talks to the other team, I guess, when you're thinking about cats and dogs or ATA and OIDA. Yeah, well, it's not it's not totally separate. Um, but I mean, I, I I think that, well, the, the main connection is that, um, you know, y- you have some employees like, you know, change jobs right in between them. Like, uh, I think my, my introduction to the JOC, for instance, was just through someone who... Uh, I knew had worked at transport topics or like heard stories of him working at transport topics. And then, uh, you know, went over to JOC. I didn't know this person, but, uh, they were well-respected. And so that was like, oh, okay, there are, this is a different, uh, uh, publication. But, um, I mean, I think that, that, uh, we're in a, a pretty interesting place in the, the, the media sphere as, I mean, it's not necessarily new to right now. It's been happening for a long time, but, um, I do think that, that, the sort of trade media in freight uh, is changing pretty significantly right now. Like uh, you've got a lot more focus and interest and sort of like uh, vigor in like the social media space. Uh, and and that is a, a, a space where outside of LinkedIn, a lot of these legacy publications don't really play in so much. Like they're not, they're not meme Lords. Like maybe they need to be to, uh, to, to get this kind of next generation of, afraid people but i don't know i mean it, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out um you know because most of them like you mentioned are already under umbrellas so they're they, there's some buffer from you know uh like just uh like clear market exposure yeah yeah and it sometimes can feel like an alabama family reunion too because everyone goes to different <laughs> you know organizations it's like oh you're all in the family one thing i'm curious about we have a research arm you're part of the research team uh we do work for customers so this is kind of like you said the evolving nature of media uh, i'm on the editorial uh expert talking head uh shout out to all the other communities people but when we're looking at that what are some of the things because customers come to us to try to solve problems and you being able to see the research i think it'd be helpful for listeners to see what are some of the types of we can't name names but what are some of like are there shippers carriers brokers are those who's the kind of people who want this kind of data and what questions do they typically want answers for is it like outside in if that makes any sense yeah that makes that makes a lot of sense so one of the biggest part of my jobs, uh, parts of my job, is to um, uh, help develop these uh, surveys in partnership with with a sponsored uh, company. Uh, and basically, we 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 survey a specific part of our readership: shippers, carriers, brokers, or some combination of those, uh, on a topic that matters to the sponsor company. And when I say matters, it, it sort of changes company to company. Uh, what I'm always recommending to people is to think about it as like as journalistically as possible, like find something that's relevant in the market right now, and then try to find a way to cater that to your own strategic needs. You know, anyway, uh, we, we field these surveys, we, we, we get the data together, uh, and then that data goes into uh, a custom white paper, uh, that can then be downloaded free of charge, um, to whoever's interested in it. So, right. I mean, we, we, you know, we can't name names for, for 
projects that are ongoing, but one of the recent ones that uh, has done really well so far, I believe, I, I think in large part because it is so topical, is a, uh, a partnership with Triumph Pay for a, um, a, a double brokering survey and, uh, and, and white paper. Uh, and that is one of the rare ones that I developed the survey and then also had the chance to write it. And it's the first white paper I've, I've written uh, and it was a lot of fun, um, but anyway, you can check it out. You can go download it. I mean, it looks at uh, you know sort of what percentage of uh, broker contacts say that double brokering is a big deal. How much is it affecting them? Uh, and then we get into some some strategies about um, you know how brokers can stay more alert and and avoid falling victim to fraudulent double brokering in the future. Uh, but there's good stuff, and we 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 really do produce these white papers uh, pretty often. So um, I think on our site, it's like if you're on a desktop, you go to uh, like read at the top, and then you go to white papers, uh, and there's a whole list of them that you know it's updated uh, whenever we put one out. So uh, just tons of really good resources there. And yeah, if you're if you're listening to this and you're thinking like, oh, you know, we could be interested in some. Uh, some market research, definitely just, just get in touch with me, get in touch with Thomas and we will, uh, we'll set you up. That's what blows my mind because equity shops, private equity will also do paid research, but they charge like boo koodles and stuff. That's part of their income stream and you get analysts and you pay for it per hour is worked and charged. But uh, this hybrid media model, I think is so fascinating because you did come from a large legacy player that uh, I remember transport topics when I was at US Express and you'd see the quarterly ones and you would just have them on a desk somewhere. And like that was the distribution method. You know, you the data was like so, you know, it could it could be either very timely still or you're still looking behind you know being at a two different media companies and now you're at, at this one uh, is there any other like other than obviously freight waves has anyone really recognized the value of this kind of hybridization or is it still something where I know mm -hmm. like landline you know you have ATA you have OIDA you have various you know ATRI probably has an arm uh, is that something where you almost have to wait and see if the the main mothership is providing the info or is it kind of like the journalists are like well this is how we've always done it we got our conference I'm not in a hurry to upgrade this or looking down on this new tech yeah that's a really good question I mean I think that uh, it, it's hard to generalize this stuff uh, you know in in totality but but I do think that for the most part my impression of Freight transportation media, particularly you know the established brands that have you know th that existed in the 20th century, let's say, and you know developed their names. Then, uh, they have, from what I can tell, on the whole, been slow to uh, adopt new technologies or new ways of doing things. And and I mean, it makes sense if you're a legacy brand, uh, what you've been doing has worked. Um, why change it, right? And 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 there, there's other sort of like institutional barriers to to, to moving quickly when you're in those environments. Um, but I think more and more, you know, and this sort of goes to the the change I was talking about earlier with um, you know social media really becoming you know freight X, right? Like this is a a whole thing where uh, uh, a lot of particularly younger people in the industry are kind of changing things a little bit. Uh, I think that that these legacy publications are going to be under more and more pressure to um, kind of modern modernize their approach a little bit. I uh, I don't think anyone has the capacity to match like Freightwaves TV, um, but I, I I would expect that they would uh, start playing a little bit more in the social media space and 
and maybe investing a little bit more in like social media managers, for instance, that kind of thing. Um, but we'll see. I mean, it, you know, I, for the most part, think it's like a live or die kind of thing. But at the same time, it's like these organizations, some of them aren't functioning as like independent bodies. You know, they're, yeah. they're sort of like news arms of larger entities that are not dependent on the media landscape. So who knows how it's going to shape up. I feel like that's kind of one of the conversations. I feel like we do a whole conversation on that because it's so fascinating. I came from operations. This is my first stint in media over two years now. And uh, that's what blew my mind the most was you set up a shop, but you also, once you set up your shop, you're also doing your lobbying and your outreach, but you're also having a friendly publication to do it and uh, and send it. Uh, so we'll definitely keep an eye on that. Joe, final, got like less than a minute left. Anything on the horizon we should be watching out for? And then also best way to reach out if folks want to contribute or help out. Yeah, definitely keep an eye out if you're on our, our newsletter lists for uh, those those Q4 freight sentiment index uh, surveys. They're going to be coming out starting next week, um, and that's carrier, broker, and shippers. We send different surveys, but but we're asking basically the same questions. Um, so keep an eye out for that. Uh, and yeah, go go and check out our white papers. Uh, there's lots of good resources there. If you're in the market for one, feel free to shoot me an email. Uh, it's the letter J as in Joe, and then Antoshak, A-N-T-O-S-H-A-K, at uh, FreightWaves.com, or you can connect with me on uh, LinkedIn or, or, or Twitter or yeah. X or uh, whatever they call it now. Everywhere. Um, yeah, I will, uh, yeah er- a- anywhere. I love it. Joe, thanks for coming on again, sir. We're going to reconnect again. See you on the next Research Corner. Uh, Got to wrap up the show. Running out of time. Hear the Oscar music playing. We're ending our 69th episode, but don't worry. We'll be back next week, Tuesday, 1 p.m. for number 70. We're going to do it live, folks. See you there.